بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله الله تعالى blessed us to reach these Mubarak last 10 nights of Ramadan. Allah Ta'ala blessed us last night to have a night which is not only one of the odd nights, but also the night of Jumu'ah. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us to have these nights where these masajid are filled again. Allah Ta'ala said in His book, قُلْ أَمَرَ رَبِّي بِالْقِسْطِ وَأَقِيمُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ وَدْعُوهُ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ Say, Ya Muhammad alayka salatu wassalam, my Lord commands to justice and that you should establish your faces in every masjid and call upon him, making your deen purely and sincerely only for him. Purely and sincerely only for him. There is a little bit of a need for some effort. MashaAllah, the Saatis and Tabligh Jamaat will tell you about that effort as well. There's need for that effort too. Inshallah, after the ban, there'll be another ban. Inshallah, you can listen about that. And this is not unconnected with that effort. There is some need for effort, which is what? The masajid have been closed for two years, either in full or in part. The people have not been gathering in the masajid. The people have not been coming to the masjid. Some people still aren't coming to the masjid. Some people are still disconnected from the masjid. I'm not here to tell you whether mask mandate is good or bad. You have like a whole internet you can argue with people. You'll find an endless parade of zombies to argue with on both sides. Arguments that make sense and arguments that make no sense at all. You can find them and argue with them. That's aside from what I want to say. What I want to say is what? That the effort has to happen whether it was right, whether it was wrong, whether it should have happened this way or that way or differently or the same or whatever. Forget about that for a moment. But there needs to be some effort that the masajid need to be filled again. Because as imams, people tell us the things that they don't tell other people. They share with us the things they don't share with other people. So you have people who haven't gone to Jumu'ah since then. People who used to go to Jumu'ah every Friday. Still until now, even though the masajid have been open, they still haven't come back to Jumu'ah. You have people who haven't gone to Taraweeh. They still haven't come back to Taraweeh. You need to help them. You need to bring them. You need to say a kind word to them. Or even sometimes a harsh word to them. Whatever works, you need to bring them back in. There are some people who didn't fast. There are some people who still haven't fasted. You have to tell them even though the month is mostly gone now. It's okay. It's okay. The Hafiz, he read the ayah tonight. You all heard. You all heard the, the ayah he read that Allah Ta'ala commanded the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ I remember somebody once asked me, what's your favorite ayah of the Qur'an? I said from an aqidah point of view, this question is very problematic. It's a very problematic question. Especially for people who have read Ilm al-Kalam, it's a very problematic question. 
I told them, I said, phrase the question a little bit differently. Which ayah do you hear and it makes you really happy? It fills you with joy. Obviously, all of them should be like that. When your iman is cameled and all of your iman has reached a stage of perfection, then all of them will equally make you happy. The ones that are in your favor and the ones that are against you, the ones you understand, and the alif la meme and the ha meme and all of these things, they'll all make you equally happy. But for now, a broken person like myself, miskin, what makes me happy when I hear, hear it? You know what makes me happy? قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Say, O my slaves that have committed excess against themselves. Meaning they committed sin, they did wrong things, they wasted their time, they made bad choices, they made a thousand bad choices, they made a million bad choices. Everything in their life has been a bad choice until now. There's nobody whose bad choices are greater than Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is greater than all of His creation. Nobody can make so many bad choices that it's bigger than Allah Ta'ala or bigger than any of His sifat, any of His attributes. That someone should be able to say, I've committed so, so many sins that it now is no longer eligible for Allah's Rahmah. That it's no longer eligible for Allah's Rahmah. It's bigger than what Allah's Rahmah can deal with. No, brothers and sisters, good news is you and me are not that important. You and me, we're not that important. None of these people around us are that important. That your sins will ever be so big that they outflank the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. What does that mean? Qunut with a ta. There's qunut that you do in the like the, the witr or fajr if you follow a different madhab, right? Not that. That's qunut with a ta, with the two dots. This is qunut with a ta. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. What does it mean? It means to give up hope. Yes, to become ma'yus. To give up hope. Giving up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is a sin. It's bigger than the sins that we think of as sins. It's a bigger sin than drinking alcohol and committing zina. It's a bigger sin than missing a fast. It's a bigger sin than any of those things. Why? Because those things are sins of action. You have a reason that you can give to Allah Ta'ala for committing them. A person says, I didn't fast because the burger looked very tasty. <laughs> it's not a good reason, but it is a reason. The math doesn't add up. However much enjoyment you have from the burger doesn't add up to the amount that you'll enjoy in Jannah. After all, everything Allah Ta'ala commands us to do or prohibits us from doing, it's for our own good. It's, our, it's in our own benefit. There's no jump, I say jump, to, you say how high uh, commandment in the Sharia. This is the ijma' of all the, of all the ulama. This is the problem. Shawli Allah wrote, wrote it in, in the Hujjatullah. Our students don't study the Hujjatullah anymore, mashallah. We call them Mawlanas, but they don't read these books anymore, right? This is the ijma', the consensus of all the ulama. There's no ruling in the Sharia which is devoid of benefit for you. Even though it's Allah's haqq, if He wanted to, He could have said, go kill yourself. It's his, his, his right, it's his right that we should obey. But from his manifold mercies, he never put anything in the sharia except for it's for your benefit, my benefit. You could say it tasted good. Okay, you made the wrong decision, but this is still, there's some reasoning in it. Why would you give up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala? The mercy of Allah Ta'ala is something in your benefit. Why would you give up hope in that? That doesn't make any sense. Only a person who hates Allah Ta'ala would do that or a person who has an aql that doesn't work properly, who has a, 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 a mind that doesn't work properly. And this is how shaitan gets you. 
You missed one day, okay, you may as well miss the second one. You missed three days, you may as well miss the fourth one. You missed eight, one year, you may as well miss the next year. All of your life has passed you by. And you've been doing drugs, and you've been drinking alcohol, and you've been committing zina, and you've been doing every XYZ sin under the sun. And you literally only have one minute left in your life. What will shaitan come to you and say? It's a very predictable playbook. Well, you already wasted your, the whole rest of your life. What's the point now? What's the point now? You know what the point is now? That the person who in that one minute makes a good use of that one minute, that person is qualitatively a good person. The person who makes bad use of that minute, that person is qualitatively a bad person. That's a really big difference. Don't listen to shaitan. Listen to Allah. Listen to the Ahlullah. Listen to the Ulama. Listen to the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. Don't give up the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innahu yaghfirat dhunuba jami'a. All sins. Istighraq. Completely the genus of sins. Everything that can be called a sin. That thing Allah ta'ala forgives it. He's the one who like forgives the most. He's the most intense in his forgiveness. He's the most intense in his rahmah and his mercy. This is a good message. MashaAllah, all of you people are pious people. You're not only did you come for taraweeh, you prayed all 20, mashallah, despite whatever pamphlets or internet posts you may read to the contrary, right? And you have beards and you have topis on and mashallah, you're probably somewhat disgruntled that he's not speaking Urdu right now, but mashallah, maybe next time. My charge for Urdu Bayan is like 10 times as much. The masjid wanted to save money, right? You guys are already pious people. You already know this. You are already the ashiqeen. You're drunk with the love of Allah Ta'ala's mercy and His forgiveness. That's why you're here. It, it has enchanted you and it has mesmerized you and it has locked you so much so that you not only went and prayed taraweeh and prayed with her, but even stayed for the Bayan afterward, even though it's really late and it's probably all stuff you've heard from before. What the effort that needs to be made is first we believe in it ourselves, we con convince ourselves of it, then we have to go and tell people as well. We have to go and tell people as well. We have to tell the sinners of this ummah as well, and we have to tell the pious people of the ummah as well. We have to tell the believers as well. We have to tell the unbelievers as well. I came, I came on, this is one of the reasons I feel bad the uncle was finishing his salat. He's probably a great wali of Allah. He should make dua for me. And I pulled the chair up in front of him and said, okay, no, we're starting our bayan right now. Why? It gets too late. Then you guys will be upset as well. Also, I came, I came directly. I went straight to the airport from Jumu'ah. And my flight has been delayed again and again. And I came straight from the airport here. It's a job I have to do. I just need to say what I need to say. And then inshallah, I'll go home again. The point is, is this effort, we have to say this thing to everybody, including, including the people of this ummah and the, including the people out of this ummah. I deliberately got the flight that leaves at 3.30 so I can pray Asr and not have to pray on the plane. The, the flight got delayed to the point where our seat belts are on and we can't get out of our seats when Asr comes in and then we land at 7.50 in LaGuardia. What am I supposed to do? So I waited. There's turbulence for half of the flight. A very narrow window. It's not a long flight from Chicago here. It's a very narrow window uh, between, uh, between the time that I could stand up and the time that the prayer is no longer able to be prayed in its time. What do you do? You get up and you pray. What do you do? You get up and you pray. This whole thing, by the way, the idea of da'wah has like become this like huge monster. People have misunderstood what da'wah means. Like, don't pray in public. 
because it's bad for da'wah, because they'll see you and they'll get angry. No, it's not bad for da'wah. What does da'wah mean? It means to call someone. What are you calling them to? If you can't pray when it's time to pray, what are you calling them to? If you can't follow the sunnah of the Prophet what are you calling them to? If you can't tell people freely what you believe in, what are you calling them to? Nobody, uh, mashallah, it's America, it's a free country. Nobody wants to go from being a free person to living in a closet. Nobody wants that. Nobody cares. No one respects it. There are a class of people who are like, oh, this is your religion? Oh, that's so wonderful. I'll come to your multicultural day and like eat a samosa and that's it. They're not, they're not interested in deen in the first place. Their aqidah is something else, that everything is the same. And you're just reinforcing it by handing them a samosa, by handing them a samosa and not telling them anything about what you believe in. What do you do? You make zikr, the f- stewardess, the stewardess, she asked, she's like, you know, I was raised a Buddhist. Are you Sikh? I said, no, I'm not. What are you? I'm a Muslim. But we're the spiritual ones. You guys are supposed to be the terrorists. What is this? How come you're, you like repeat things and stuff like that? I'm like, yeah, it's like about, you have to keep your heart engaged all the time. You have to remember all the time. She's like, oh, wow, you guys do that too? That's amazing. You know what? You blessed this plane. I'm glad that you prayed on this plane. Abkaka, what is it? That's what it is, right? But you have to remind people. You have to remind people. You can't just like live in a closet just because you're afraid someone's going to say something bad to you. Allah Ta'ala said what? قُلْ أَمَرَ رَبِّي بِالْقِسْتِ وَأَقِيمُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدِ Not only do we have to bring our face to the masjid, Right? The word wajh, there's a couple of things about it. One, it means your face, like as in this face that you have anatomically. It also means a direction. Wajah in Urdu doesn't mean face. Even though Arabic, it actually means face. But it means like, what's the, what's the reasoning for this? What direction is this going in? Right? What's the direction of the masjid? The masjid is built facing the qibla physically. There's a qibla of physicality, which is the direction of Makkah Mukarramah. There's also a qibla inside the heart as well. That everything has to be facing, that everything has to be oriented toward. That's the effort that we need to do. So I was asked by some brothers in the masjid, Mulana Kashif, mashallah, uh, facilitated this entire uh, program. And I wouldn't have come if he didn't ask me, to be very frank with you. I don't really travel in Ramadan, um, except for things that are very important. But when the Don says something and makes a request, you really cannot say no, can you? Right? These people are like in the Akhirah, you'll see what their maqam is, mashallah. Mulana Kashif is a graduate of Binuri town. The most important thing many people have never heard of before, mashallah. You heard of Harvard and Yale and Princeton, right? But I'm not going to make an analogy between them because it's not right. Name, name, how many shuhada can you name from the professors of Harvard and Princeton that gave their life for the sake of Allah or for the sake of anything good even? They're afraid to even tell you how many genders there are in real life. True story. True story. Laugh about it over here, laugh about it outside, you'll lose your job and get expelled from school. It's a true story. I cannot even count how many of his mashayikh are shuhada, mashallah. I had the honor of meeting some uh, and uh, learning from some of his teachers, mashallah, as well. This is a very high nisbah. This is a very high nisbah. When people like this ask you for something, then you... You, you need to oblige. So he connected me with the brothers in the, in the masjid. They said, what do we want to do? We want to have a, a youth program. What else do you want? Islam is a youth program. 
Islam is a youth program. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu was in his 30s. He was the first person to accept Islam. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was not even 10 when he accepted Islam. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Mashallah, we have people who have done hifs and like stuff like that. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was uh, um, 12 years younger than the Prophet So he's in his 20s. If you want to have a youth program, Islam is a youth program, mashallah. Islam is a youth program. The elders that are, that are truly are elders in Islam, they're people who have been doing what they've been needing to do. They got what they needed to do done. Otherwise, standing up in tahajjud, a weak body cannot do it. Speaking the haq, a weak mind and a weak body and a weak constitution cannot do it. Standing for what's right, a weak mind and a weak body and a weak constitution cannot do it. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi recognized this. He said that the believer, the strong believer is uh, uh, better and more beloved to Allah Ta'ala than the weak believer. And there's good in both of them. We don't want to say ill about anybody. but There's good in both of them. But the, the, the goal that you're looking for is what? The goal that you're looking for is Sayyidina uh, Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. In every field of, 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 of life, the best, the toughest, the strongest, the most patient, the most perseverant, the strongest in, inwardly, the strongest outwardly, the most good looking, they're the best. They were the best of the best. The question that, 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 that they asked is, can you have a youth program? On, we want to have a youth i'tikaf program on Friday night. I said, okay, let's talk about youth stuff as well. And also, can we have a theme in both nights of what? Of community building, of building a community. And so this is what happened. The community has communally fallen a little bit behind. Anybody who's been on a diet before or started working out before, you know sometimes you fall off the program, sometimes you eat the wrong thing for one day, two days, three days, you put on a couple of pounds and now you're behind. You have to get back in the game. It's difficult. It's not easy. But you have to pull yourself together. You go to the gym. You try to pick up the weight. You can't lift as much as you were able to before you uh, stop going to the gym for a couple months. Okay, you have to go back a little bit and work a little bit harder. But you'll get back on the program, right? You'll get back on the program. But you have to like pull down and, and, and do it. This is something we should recognize. This is something we have to do right now because the masajid don't have the same, uh, don't have the same uh, uh, crowd and they don't have the same energy that they did before the disruption from uh, the illness. Sometimes you fall out of your workout or out of your diet because you got sick. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It just is what it is. Again, I'm not here to discuss why these things happen. But the fact that they happen should be something that all of us agree upon. And it's something that we need to do something about. The topic that I gave for tonight's talk. And hold fast to the rope of Allah Ta'ala, all of you together, and do not separate. Hold fast to the rope of Allah Ta'ala, all of you together, and do not separate. This is an emphatic expression. I'tisam means what? Al-imtina'ah. Right? Just to, to stop something or to forbid something, prohibit something, to stop something from, happen, from happening. Ismat means what? It means infallibility, unassailability. Asima in the Arabic language means like a capital city. Because in the old days, the capital cities were fortified. Right? Mashallah, some of the brothers I went to Uzbekistan with, they, they, we went together. Right? You saw the fortress and the, 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 the citadel of, of Bukhara. I mean, it's like big walls. 
there are big big walls and they're like slanted in a weird way and it's not easy to attack it's not easy to get into when the door shut what is it hold fast together to your deen don't let anything else come in and water it down don't let anything else come in and 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 weaken your grip if you're trying to pick up a weight and you have a, a phone will you pick up the weight and the phone in the same hand no you'll put the phone in another hand if the weight is heavy enough, mashallah, we have some brothers here that work out, mashallah, right? If the, if the weight is heavy enough that you have to pick it up with both hands and you put the, the phone in your pocket or put it to the side. Why? Because it's going to compromise your grip. Even if you're strong enough to carry the weight, it will compromise your grip. Manakaro, get it out of there. Don't let anything get in between. Don't let anything get in between. Don't anything, let anything weaken your grip. For the uh, 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 for the dina for for the habal the rope of Allah Taala, and if you read the tafasir, you'll see there are a number of different tafasir for what is the rope of Allah Taala. What is this a metaphor for? Is it the dina of Allah Taala? Is it the book of Allah Taala? These are the two most prominent aqwal of the mufassirun. They're lazim malzum. If you hold fast to the book of Allah Taala, you're going to hold fast to the dina of Allah. And if you hold fast to the deen of Allah Ta'ala, you're going to hold fast to the rope of Allah. That's a discussion maybe for another time. It should be had, but that's not what I'm trying to focus on in the limited time that I have. Hold fast to the deen of Allah. وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا Hold fast to the rope of Allah, all of you together. وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا The Qur'an doesn't have any repetition in it. There's not one letter that's excessive or useless in it. Every letter, forget about the words, every letter of the Qur'an is there for a particular meaning. So this is a double emphatic statement. The idea that you should hold, hold fast to the rope of Allah Ta'ala together and not separate. This idea of a jama'ah, this idea of a jama'ah, this idea of having a, a gathering or a congregation of people by which you practice the deen of Allah Ta'ala, this is such an important idea it is literally what describes our aqidah. It's literally what describes our creed. The aqaid of Islam are the most important thing. If you say I, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger, but by Allah you mean uh, a, a white man that lived in Chicago in the late 1900s, and by Muhammad you mean a, a, a black man that lived in Chicago like 30 years after him or whatever, this is not going to work. You can say la ilaha illallah as much as you want, it's not going to work, it doesn't count. Why? Because your tasawwur, your conception of this idea, your aqidah regarding what does la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah mean, it's messed up, it's wrong. It's wrong, it doesn't fit. Without having a correct aqidah, your salat gets messed up, everything in the deen gets messed up. So what do we refer to as the canonical and authoritative recension and description and expounding of our aqidah as? We refer to it as the aqidah of the Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. وَعَتَّصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا Hold fast to the rope of Allah altogether and do not separate. The first thing that we hold fast to the rope of Allah Ta'ala together and not separate on is what? Is our belief. Where are you going to learn that from? Where are you going to learn that from? You're not going to learn it from the Jummah Khutbah, I promise you. Your People are saying you're going to learn it from the Qur'an, and this is correct. However, what I will caution people is what? If you don't know Arabic, you're not going to learn it from the Qur'an. If you don't understand what the words of the Qur'an mean, you're not going to learn it from the Qur'an. 
Even our brothers who call themselves Arabs, many of them, they don't understand the language of the Qur'an. The, the language that they speak is as far from the language of the Qur'an as Hebrew and as Syriac is. And this is not a mubalagha, this is not a, an exaggeration. Who are you going to learn it from? You have to learn it from the ulama. This is what the meaning of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is. That okay, we follow the Sunnah, people understand following the Sunnah, what does, that means in general. There's some details that should be expounded upon also. Again, not enough time. What does jama'ah here mean? Does it mean a democratic majority? Let's have a vote today in Muhammadi Masjid on how many genders there are. Look, the jama'ah said it, we're the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, right? What does it mean? That's not what it means. Hint, that's not what it means. The jama'ah, if you look in the books of Aqidah itself, the jama'ah is the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And then those people in the generation after them that took from them and practiced their deen. We refer to them reverently as the tabi'een, as the successors of the companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Now, Hajjaj bin Yusuf, the famous homicidal maniac enforcer of Banu Umayyah, killed so many people, killed more Sahaba than I can count, forget about the other people. Is he a tabi'i? He can say, hey, look, I was a Muslim and I, I met the Sahaba, I even killed a bunch of them, probably one of the most horrible things that a person could ever do. I swear to God, there are drunk people and fornicators on the Day of Judgment will be like, at least I didn't do that. Is he a tabi'i? Is he part of the jama'ah? No, because he would look at the companions and say, well, I understand the deen better than you. Who are the tabi'in? They're the part of the next generation that not only were Muslims, we won't say he's a kafir, we just will say he doesn't understand Islam properly. And he's crazy. But in terms of his aqidah, he doesn't understand pro Islam properly. The jama'ah is every single generation from that time until now that has understood the deen properly from the tabi'in, from the tabi'a tabi'in. It's a living group. It still exists. They are the ones who represent the Prophet ﷺ and his ummah. And if you think, look, this movie is just making this up in order to make his roti and his biryani and his zarda and his khatam and his uh, nazar and niyaz and whatever. Rasulullah ﷺ, what did he say? Who did he say the warathatul anbiya? Who did he say are the warathatul anbiya? Who are the heirs of the Prophet ﷺ? They're the ulama. He didn't say it's the mujahidun, even though jihad fi sabilillah has such a great maqam. He didn't say it's the Hufad, even though memorizing the Qur'an has such a great maqam. He didn't say that it's the people of fasting and the people of dhikr, even though those things have such a great maqam. What did he say? This is the people of knowledge. You saw the, 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 this is one of the beautiful things. We should go and visit, visit different places in the Muslim world. We saw the Madaris, mashallah, Samarqand was like one of the wonders of the world. It was the great city of, of Central Asia. The deen that came to the Indian subcontinent uh, came from those people. And in many ways, Allah Ta'ala in His hikmah, He chose that, that those lands would be destroyed by the Mongols and they would be destroyed by the communists. For some reason or another, their tradition was preserved in our lands in a way that it wasn't even preserved in their own. And for that, we should be thankful to Allah Ta'ala. In Samarkand, what are the... Bila Mubalagha, the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen in my life, I saw over there. I'm talking about just material brilliance. Nothing having to do with Islam. What are those buildings though? What are those buildings? The main square of Samarkand is the Registan Square. And there are three buildings, all three of them are Madaris. 
and they face one another and they're beautiful and they were the pride and joy of that those people what does it mean and to make your face established not just to show face but to establish your face that your face can be reliably seen in the masjid and it can be facing the direction that the masjid faces inwardly and outwardly what does that mean that means those people even the craziest of them timur lang in Uzbekistan, don't say anything bad about him because he's a national hero for them. They don't like that when you say bad about him. But outside of the, uh, uh, you know, outside of the sphere of the Uzbeks, he's more or less known as also a homicidal maniac. He was basically a person who killed as many people as Genghis Khan did, except for he was like he had a janaza. He didn't die in kufr, like outwardly at least. And inshallah, inshallah, he had iman in his heart, inshallah, for his own good, inshallah. We have no reason to believe he didn't. At least the sacred law restrains us from casting aspersion on his faith at least, even though he was crazy. What did his grandsons, his sons didn't really rule appreciably after him, what did his grandsons and his descendants, who also ruled our lands, right? Babur, Zahiruddin Babur was also a descendant of Timur Lang from his tribe at least, right? Uh, uh, the, the Mughal emperors in our lands, as well as Mirza Ulughbek, the first and the greatest of the Madaris in the Registan Square was built by Mirza Ulughbek. We conquered the world. The, imagine that. He conquered Damascus. Why is it that the, the, the turban of the Prophet ﷺ is sitting in the Badshahi Masjid in Lahore? He conquered Damascus and he conquered Baghdad. He brought the, 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 the taqaddusat and tabarrukat of the Rasul ﷺ to Central Asia and to the lands. Because at one time his capital was Samarkand and at one time his capital was also Lahore. Bale bale. <laughs> right? Imagine that. There was a time when Syrians and Iraqis and Turks, all of us were the same country. And no small amount of blood was spilled in order to make that happen. Whether it was good or bad, that's not what I'm here to talk about. The idea is that after they conquered as much of the world as they knew and that they respected, everything further than that was all barbarians anyway. They didn't really care. They didn't really care. Uh, Timur, they say that he had a uh, change of heart before he uh, died and he made Toba from fighting Muslims and so he said, I'm going to go and conquer China and it was the Qadr of Allah Ta'ala that somewhere in what's modern day Kazakhstan on the way to go to China, uh, Allah Ta'ala took him back uh, and that never materialized. But the whole part of the world that he actually wanted to conquer, he already had conquered it. He nearly destroyed the Ottoman Empire in the process as well. But he had already conquered it. Now his grandsons inherited this free huge empire with basically all the money in the world. What did they do? Hey, let's build a madrasa. That's the only thing they knew to do. That's the only love that they had in their heart. That's the only deen that they understood. Do you understand what that means? Like if you and me had enough money that we, never, we didn't empower, that we never needed to care a day in our life about what anyone else says. Not your boss, not your mother-in-law, not your re stupid relatives, not your smart relatives, not the people in Muhammadi Masjid, some board member, uh, you know, like once told you that you couldn't do this in the Masjid and you're like, you know, you f flip him the bird and say, I'm going to build like a Masjid across the street that's like seven times as big and I'm going to hire Mulana Kashif and I'm going to hire all of his friends and like no one's going to come to your Masjid ever again. Uh, except for, you know, because, you know, they, they can't make it for us or whatever. And that's it. Right? What would you do when you have that much money that you could do that? People are not going to build masajid. Why? 
the heart has gone a different way. Even the, even the ulama and mashayikh and tablis and the Sufis and the, the people of piety and righteousness, nowadays the, the sickness that's there that, that's heartbreaking, it's not that we're weak outwardly. We've done that before. We do weak okay because if you're strong inside, you're never really weak. Man ki dunya afrangi karaj. The enemy cannot conquer you inside of your heart. You can be in jail in solitary for 40 years. They can't break you inside if you're strong inside. The Sheikh Yusuf of Makassar, he was a great Sheikh of uh, uh, the Shafi'i school. He was the Shafi'i Mufti of Makkah Mukarramah. He was actually a prince from Indonesia. Makassar um, uh, is a, a, a kingdom in Sulawesi. He was a prince. The Dutch overthrew his father's empire while he was in Makkah Mukarramah, basically being one of the like alpha ulama over there. And so he went back to fight them and to, uh, uh, to free his homeland. And they put him in jail. And they took him to their penal colony, which was Cape Town in South Africa, just like the British used to send people to like Australia or whatever, right? And they put him in the hole for decades, solitary confinement, no light, just enough food to survive. That's it. They finally let him out when he was an old man and figured he can't do any, any more harm. Well, that's another story. We can't do any more harm anymore. We may as well take him out. You know, when they went inside and they lit a torch and saw what was there, he had written the Quran on the walls in complete again and again. As an old man, he came out and his ficker was what? How, how can we make this deen thrive? How can we make this deen thrive? He composed small ash'ar in their Indonesian, their, their uh, uh, Malay, Malay language uh, about basic aqidah, basic fiqh, basic things about the deen so that the workers when they're working the fields or when they're working the mines the the slaves because they were brought as slaves that the slaves can sing these and the dutch will think that they're just like songs that they're singing while doing work they're actually learning the deen of allah ta'ala one of the mashaykh uh, the sheikh they call him tuan guru the big guru from amongst their mashaykh he actually got a job as a uh, as working in the jail why so that the people, so that the, the people, he could make da'wah to them. He converted like mo- most of the jail to Islam. The British found out when they overthrew the Dutch that this is going on. They said, we have to get rid of these two or three of these Mohammedan preachers. They're going to make the entire control of this land untenable for us. What was, what was the thing? He was a prince. He was a king. Not like you and me, like you go to TGI Fridays and they bring you a cake with a... Uh, a candle on it and you're like prince for like 15 minutes no like a real prince like a real king what was their effort what was the thing when they had money that they wanted to do they wanted to establish this deen and they understood that the jama'ah starts from what it starts from ilm it starts from knowledge it doesn't start from bricks it doesn't start from land right we're not hindus that we believe that the land is sacred without the land you know like we're nothing or whatever right egyptian the ancient egyptians pharaoh they never, they had the most powerful army in the world for thousands of years. They would go and they would fight battles in other lands and they would come back because they considered their homeland to be sacred. Whoever died, they would bring their bodies back. They considered, a, they considered it to, to be a, a, a profanity for a person to be buried outside of their homeland. They never left. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He Himself, He tells the, the Ardullahi wasi'ah, فَتُهَاجِرُ fiha That the, 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 the earth is wide, it's vast. 
go around, visit different places, move from one place to the other. You're here in America. I'm sure everybody came here, mashallah, in order to serve the deen, right? If not, if not, you don't have to tell anybody. You can change your niyyah right now. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The, the things are going to be judged by the way that they end. If something funny happens in the middle, that's what Toba is for. The idea is that now that we're here, if you want to do com- community building, I could have stood up and said, who's going to give $10,000 and fleeced you guys dry? I'm also a good fundraiser. <laughs> I could have stood up and told you, oh yeah, you know, like uh, this school and that expansion in the parking lot and city and we should get someone involved in politics and someone should be involved in the Senate and someone should become city council and somebody should go to Harvard, someone should become Princeton, someone should become a lawyer, someone should become a doctor. All of these things are good. I'm not saying that any of them, any of them are bad. Am I saying anything, any of them are bad? You're still, are you still involved in politics? No, but you were at some time. Did I ever say like that's bad? No, it's good. Get, 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 get your guys elected. People, honest people who will like have sympathy for the poor and concern for justice and, you know, make the world a better place. Do all of that stuff. The thing is, that's not a foundation anything is built on. What is the foundation built on? The foundation is built on what? It's built on this ilm. The jama'ah starts from what? The iqama of the jama'ah, the iqama of the jama'ah, the iqama of the masjid starts from what? It starts from this, from this what? From this knowledge. This knowledge is what made the unbaked brick, unbaked clay bricks of the Masjid Nabawi into something that has more barakah than the like super like multi-billion dollar building that's there right now. This knowledge is the thing that made the masajid of the Muslim world into unassailable fortresses that kufr couldn't get through them. Now what is it? We've built our masajid like the Yahud and Nasara have built their churches and they've built their synagogues. It's primarily what? A non-profit corporation. It's a 501c3. We're concerned more than the Sunnah. We're concerned about bylaws and keeping books in order. Why? Because we're going to get sued. What if you get sued in the court of Allah Ta'ala? What are you going to do? The problem is what? The contracts are all written in a language none of us speak. If you wanted to have a feel-good bayan, you came to the wrong masjid tonight. All of us have to learn this knowledge. What do we have to learn first? We have to learn the Arabic language. We have to learn Good, learn Urdu inshallah I say that every student of knowledge Even an Arab, even an African, even a Turk Should learn Urdu Everyone should learn Turkish, everyone should learn Persian it's, If you want to be a man of the Ummah You have to learn these languages But the idea is what? If you, don't taste, if you taste the sweetness in Urdu, wonderful If you don't taste the sweetness in Arabic, something's wrong we sent it as an Arabic Qur'an in order for you to be people of aql, for you to be people of rationality, logic. Aql is the thing that allows you to recognize that three is bigger than two. If the aql is not working, nothing else works anymore. We sent it down as an Arabic Qur'an so that you can be people of aql. You have to learn your basic aqaid, you have to learn your basic fiqh, you have to, and the people who can teach it to you, they're not going to teach it to you in, in, in Jummah Khutbah. I have yet to see a Jummah Khutbah that will teach you how many shares a daughter inherits from the, uh, from, from the father if there are no siblings or if there are siblings. How about, a, how about a half-sister from the father's side or from the mother's side? People, even the father of the Qur'an, they read the ayat, it's funny, when they don't read the books of fiqh and they try to remember the ayah, they always screw up those masail. They always screw up those masail. You have to learn them from somebody. 
It's not easy. It's hard. It will humiliate you. You as an, a, a rich person or as an elder or as a respected person or as a strong person or as a popular person, you will be humiliated because somebody dumber looking than you, somebody who's an immigrant, somebody who is born here, somebody who's a different race, somebody who's a convert, somebody who's poor, somebody they're going to excel in this from you. It's going to require you coming out of your comfort zone. But you have to do it. You have to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, you have more knowledge about the deen than I do. This is why I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating when I said, Mulan if he didn't ask me, I wouldn't have come. But if he asked me, I can't say no. Why? The people of knowledge have a qadr in this deen. If you don't understand what that qadr is, then you don't understand the deen. You do not understand the deen of Allah Ta'ala if you don't understand what the qadr of these people is. If you cannot humble yourself in front of somebody who has something Allah gave them more than you, and say, well, my experience tells me this, my experience tells me that, I've been around, I know English, I know math, I'm a doctor, I've been in this country, I've been in that country. I, you know, this, those things don't teach you anything about Islam. Was Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr Siddiq because of his experience? Was Umar radiallahu anhu the Umar because of his experience? Was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the Prophet sallallahu because he'd been at the business for 40 years already? Absolutely not. Literally, it came from above the Saba'a Samawat and above the Arsh Azim. It doesn't exist in this solar system. It doesn't exist in this galaxy. It doesn't exist in this universe. It came from somewhere outside. If you cannot humble yourself in front of it, what, what good is it? What good are you? Iblis. Iblis. You know what they call him in, 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 in English from Latin? They call him Lucifer. You know what that means? It means angel of light. What a sweet name, right? Iblis had a name that the angels used to call him. They used to call him Azazil, which means the Izzat of Allah. The Aziz, the one who Allah gave Izzat to. Why? Because he was the Mu'allam al-Mala'ika. He himself learned knowledge. He was, this, he was a disciple of the angels. He could boast that there's not one hand's breadth of space in this Heavens and in this earth except for that I've made sajda in it to Allah Ta'ala. Now mashallah, people in Muhammad you read a lot of sunnahs mashallah. Mashallah. Like I waited 10 minutes to start the bayan. Three quarters of the masjid already left and still people are reading the mosque to the point I had to put the chair down. No offense to anybody. But surely, even with this superior number of nafils that the people in Muhammad pray, nobody can boast that there is not a... Shibr of space, a hand's breadth of space in the heavens and the earth, except for I've made sajda to Allah Ta'ala in it. And he stayed in this state for over a hundred thousand years. But there was something najis inside of his heart. And the angels could not see it. It was something so deep and it was something so subtle. The only one who knew it was there is Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala exposed it. And where did it come from? This inability to what? Physically to do sajda, but what does the sajda mean? Because this is one of the things, I think like m many of us were born as Muslims, so we just like go through the motion. You don't know what sajda means. Like you don't know what it means. If a man was so powerful that he subjugated you so badly that you had to make sajda in front of him, right? For us, it's like haram, I'd never do it, I'd die, right? Okay, put, take the ibadat part of it out. Just somebody has so much power over you that you either make sajda to him or you die. Like we don't know what does that mean. 
If you understand what a sajda is, then you should know that when you do it in front of Allah Ta'ala, it's even more, you're even more humble than, than that. And Allah Ta'ala definitely didn't tell Iblis to, to, to worship Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, but to what? Just lower yourself, humble yourself in front of him. Right? Because the ummahs that came before this ummah, it was allowed for a person to make sajda to somebody out of respect. This ummah, because of the shubha of shirk, uh, 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 being a danger for this, uh, for for the people of the last times, it was made haram for us. What does it mean for him to make such that? Just show, just just accept in your heart he's better than me. If you accept that he's better than you, Allah will make you better than you could have ever been. If you accept that the Prophet is better than you, if you accept that the Ahlul Bayt, their family is better than your family, if you accept the ulama are better than the people that that, that don't have knowledge, people like me. If you accept that the pious are better than the impious like me, what happens? Allah gives you a nasib of what they got. From the barakah, again, this is not just me making up stuff, right? It's a hadith of Sahih Bukhari. Man will be with the one that they love. You're here, they're here, you love them, Allah Ta'ala closes the gap. You go from being like, you know, you go from being 100 miles away from their maqam to what? That you, you lower yourself and you can go and touch their feet. And don't do it in real life, but I'm saying like in the world of meanings, right? In the world of meanings. You actually closes the gap between you and them. If you can't do that, if you can't do that for the ulama, if you can't do that for the people of piety, if you can't do that for the house of Allah Ta'ala, if you can't do that for the ummah, if you can't do that for the deen of Allah Ta'ala, you're not going to go anywhere. But once you do, what happens? Something that was closed before in your heart, it opens up. And it brings you a new world, it brings you a new life. All of a sudden the ayat of the Qur'an becomes sweet for you to listen to. All of a sudden they're filled with wisdom, they're filled with hikmah. All of a sudden you want to hear them again and again. This tendency becomes so strong that there are people who don't understand a lick of Arabic. They themselves still cannot get enough of hearing the book of, the Quran, book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How much more sweet will it be than if you understand what it means? How much more sweet will it be if you study them again and again? How much more sweet will it be when you hear every the Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu narrates it from the Prophet that it doesn't get old from repeating it again and again. It's, it's wonders, they never cease. Meaning every generation, every people will find something new about the Qur'an that they didn't know from before. It's not that they, they know more than the aslaf, but the Quran is the gift, gift that keeps on giving. That only opens when you can like humble yourself. You want to build a community, we have to have some order. We have to have some order. Democracy is a, a, a convenient myth. It has its limits. Even in the American Constitution, it has its limits. In reality, it has its limits. Everybody was born equal, but then through what they choose and through what Allah chooses, then we're not equal anymore. We're not equal anymore. By being able to recognize that inequality and benefit from those above you and to benefit those below you, that's how a society works. If you want to say, no, Janab, I don't have to listen to Mulvis, Mulvis, okay, then like, I guess no more Sahih Bukhari, like, I don't, like what are we supposed to do now? I just read a translation of the Quran and understand Islam myself. Well, who translated it? The translator is not, he's himself like an angel or a prophet or something like that. This is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. 
forget about it's not Islamic. It doesn't make sense. Even even a kafir who has a sound aql will understand how it doesn't make sense. And you know what happens when people say, you know, well, I have my opinion, you have your opinion. What are they saying? They're saying there's no order in Islam. It's anarchy. What does anarchy mean? Anarchy doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean that there's like people are burning buildings. Like, mashallah, if, anarchy is like a political theory that you don't need government, you don't need one person telling you what to do, everyone can live on human decency. There's some credence to this theory. If you want to see a proof to the credence of this theory, look at Pakistan. My own, my own beloved homeland, Jiva Jiva Pakistan, right? I, I love Pakistan, mashallah. If I, 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 was, I wanted to just stay there. The mashallah said you have to go back to America. I really, I wanted to stay there. There are so many parts of Pakistan completely lawless. Completely, there's no police. There's no nothing. No one's going to enforce anything. But still, things happen. People get married. They wake up. The masajid function. People, you go to work. You know, the food. You know, the poor get fed. Uh, the economy still runs. May not be Germany or Switzerland, but the economy does run. Mashallah. People have a livelihood. No one starves to death in Pakistan, right? Nobody starves to death over there, right? So there's some credence to it. But look. The idea is what? If you come to a man and say that there's anarchy, that there's no hierarchy in, in deen, what are you doing? You're saying that the only hierarchy I respect is of the United States government? The only hierarchy I accept is of the UN? The only hierarchy I accept is at work? The only hierarchy I accept is of the 57 genders they tell us about at school? Which hierarchy is it that you accept? That's your deen. That's your God. And I'm not saying anything bad about America. America, we have such a beautiful system with checks and balances just because the founding fathers of this country understood why you cannot make the, the, the government in your deen, into your deen, into the only one thing that you respect. They understood that. Why is it that all we can do is worship the state or all we can do is worship money and worship power but when it comes to something that has to do with the mirath of Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the mirath of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the deen of Allah that we cannot respect it? This is the first foundation. So just like, mashallah, at the end of the uh, bayan of our beloved brothers in Jamaat, there's going to be a tashkil, which is what? You have to pray five times a day, right? Make a commitment to do that. You already made it. You don't have to make it. I'm not going to ask you for it right now. You already made it. If you didn't, you should you're already fasting Ramadan. That, those commitments are already done. Just like, just like all of those other commitments, you also have a commitment. You also have a commitment to seek knowledge. To seek the knowledge of deen. You have a commitment. It's a fard on, on the ummah that someone has to seek the knowledge of the deen. Everybody has to know the masail of salat. Everybody has to know. If the, if the hafiz prays, a third rakah of taraweeh, does he have to make a fourth one or does he just make sajda sahu? Does he have to repeat the, the, the qira'ah that he read in the third rakah or does he not have to repeat it? The masail of salat, everybody has to learn. The, if you, the masail of fasting, unless you're so sick you can't fast, you have to learn it. The masail of marriage, if you, want, if you want to get married one day or you're already blessed, mashallah, uh, 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 with, uh, the, with marriage, mashallah, um, you have to learn the masail of those things. And you're not going to learn them from the internet and from Sheikh Google or from the Jummah Khutbah or from being a Muslim for a long time or from being Pakistani or Indian or Arab or any of that. You're not going to learn from any of those things. You have to sit in the halaqa, tell, tell, be able to tell someone which book you read and then you have to read it again and again. You have to read it like five, ten times until you've mastered it. Why? Because any compromise in any of those things, it's like imagine a person like you know, just skim through the driver's uh, ed book and then like, you know, oh, yellow, which one is that again? It's, is it stop or is it go? I, I, you're not going to get your license. It doesn't work that way. 
you have to learn Alif Ba Ta Fa. If you don't know that, just start with that. You have to learn Tajweed, how to recite the Quran properly. And Tajweed doesn't mean having a nice voice. Right? You have to learn the Arabic language. What does what does it mean? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. What does that mean? You know, like you have to be able to break it down what Sigha is, what word. You have to do those things and it's not gonna happen quickly. It's not gonna happen in a weekend, it's not gonna happen forty days or four months. What is it? A commitment for the rest of the of, of your life. This is the tashkil. That everybody make a commitment that I'll sit in the, the, the dars of the ulama at least once a week for the rest of my life. If you're sick, make it up afterward. I'm going to sit in the dars of the ulama once a week for the rest of my life. Anyone here graduate from madrasa? Any, any of our brothers who are madrasa graduates? Mashallah, mashallah. This applies like for normal people, the tashkil is once a week. For us, it has to be more. When you graduate, you have your dastar bandi from madrasa and they give you ijazat. The ijazat is not saying that you're a alim. This is ijazat, now go become a alim. Now you have permission, now go become a alim. All of us. I sit in dars once a week religiously. I don't know how can I explain. I, mean, I don't want to like show off or like riya or whatever. I sit in dars still. I sit in dars still. I still ask questions about things people might find banal. All of us have to sit in dars once a week. You're a hafiz of Quran, you still have to sit in dars once a week to learn the other basics of deen, to learn also the qira'ah, to learn all sorts of things. You have to still sit in dars, you know, more, more than that. If you become a king, then make the madrasa and just sit there full time. But until then, you have a job, you have kids, you have a wife, she doesn't understand. You have a husband, he doesn't understand. You have kids, they don't understand. You have parents, they don't understand. I get it. Once a week, everybody can do. Now, mashallah, Zoom and uh, Google Hangouts and uh, WhatsApp and Telegram. But then you, got, you have all of these things at your YouTube Live or YouTube Dead or whatever. You have all these means at your disposal. You have to do it religiously. What does it mean religiously? Like this is your deen, if you don't do it, you're not following your deen. I have so much more to say on the topic, but I've already worn you out and you've been pious people. Inshallah, we will continue with the topic tomorrow. Uh, inshallah, and then for the, uh, uh, the, the young, uh, young people, what ages did we say, Kashif, what ages did we say for the youth? Uh, we, what's the cap? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Anybody who's like, mashallah, of an age of respectability, you're welcome to attend. But if you get offended, I warned you. Barakallahu feekum. Sallallahu ta'ala rasulih Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.